we're almost with mentioned Mark has mentioned this morning about the uh, the harvest uh, services which are coming up in a few weeks time and uh, and of course we're into that uh, you know we're into that season now where uh, people are thinking about harvest and uh, and uh, as I was thinking about what you know what I should uh, bring to you this morning I I thought about fruit and of course we we think about when we think about harvest we think about produce and we think about fruit and uh, the uh, the title of my uh, message to you this morning is the fruit of the spirit uh, if you have a bible or you have a or you have an electronic device in front of you that you want to look this up it's galatians chapter 5 Galatians chapter five, and uh, this morning I'm uh, this morning I'm reading from uh, the New King James version. That's Galatians chapter five, verses sixteen to the end of the chapter. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfil the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the spirit let us not become conceited provoking one another envying one another now when you become a christian when you when the spirit of god reveals to you that you need jesus in your life and you call upon him for salvation then you start on a journey so, in a sense, it's like starting from scratch. Now, I know that uh, everybody has a different journey to their point of conversion. Uh, I, I reckon there are people here this morning who cannot say the exact date that they committed their life to Jesus Christ. Sometimes it can be a process. Sometimes it can, it can be gradual. And but, but the main thing about it is that when you come to realization that Jesus Christ died for you as a person 
and you receive him into your life as your own personal saviour. Now, from that moment on, then it is God's will that we should grow, that we should grow. And the question is, how is fruit produced? Well, fruit is produced by growth. If you have a fruit tree in your garden, I'm, I have to admit that I'm not much of a gardener myself, and my, my wife doesn't know one end of a spade from the other. <laughs> So, you know, I, you know, sometimes I, you know, the, you know, there's these guys who, you know, they've married someone who, who is a real gardener. And I think, well, I better shut up, haven't I? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm digging myself into a hole here, which I, I might have a, dif I might have difficulty afterwards. So uh, we'll leave that one. <laughs> but I, but although I'm not a gardener, I know that if there's going to be anything produced, there has to be growth. If there's no growth, there's no fruit. And for the maximum amount of fruit, there the, the plant or the, or the fruit tree, whether it's an apple tree, a pear tree, or a blackcurrant bush, or a gooseberry bush, or whatever it is, then uh, it has to have roots. And those roots, and the deeper those roots go down, the more fruit that is produced. And so if there is no root, there will be no fruit. Remember the parable of the sower. Jesus told the parable of the sower and he talked about a farmer who went out and scattered seed. And, in course, and of course, in the days of Christ, when, when a farmer scattered seed, he didn't have any modern machinery. He just used his hands. He would have a bag of seed and as he, as he walked, he would scatter the seed. Just scatter the seed, and the seed would, would fall on various types of ground. And uh, when Jesus explained the parable of the sower, he told, he told about the seed that fell on the, on the ground where there was no root. And he says, because, this is what he said, he says, because it had no root, it withered. It withered. And that's what happens if there's no root, then it withers. And life produces growth, and growth produces fruit. And I believe it is the same in the spiritual realm. That the life of God through the Holy Spirit causes us to grow and bring forth fruit. You know, when a, when a baby is first born... When a baby is first born, and uh, you know whether it's someone, whether it's a baby who's born into your family, or it may be a friend, and um, and I've noticed this that uh, you know you first of all you you want to know the sex of the child, and so you say, well, you know, did, did she have a boy or a girl? And of course, the question is that well, she had a little girl or she had a little boy, and then the next question usually, and I find this is what women ask. More so than men. I've got to be careful here, haven't I? Um, they say, and how heavy was the baby? <laughs> is that really important? How heavy is the baby? Oh, it was, you know, it was a, you know, a ten-pound baby. Oh, well done, you know. <laughs> but there we go. So a baby is born, 
Now, it's natural for that baby to grow. Now, of course, we know that the baby, to start with, has the mother's milk. And um, not, obviously, we know that in, in some cases that's not possible, but, but the baby drinks milk to start with. And that baby will grow. The baby will start to grow. And the baby will start to develop. Now, if it is that in three months' time the baby hasn't grown, then the chances are that the parents would become rather concerned. What's happened? Why, why isn't the baby growing as it should? Why isn't the development that should be there? And in fact, the Apostle Paul likened this to when he, he, he talks about being babes. And in 1 Corinthians and chapter 3, he's writing here to the Corinthian church. And he said this, he said in 1 Corinthians 3 verses 1 and 2, he said, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as carnal as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. So it seems that when Paul writes this epistle to the church at Corinth, that he's saying, I expected more progress. I expected more growth. I expected more maturity. Now, once again, in the parable of the sower, Jesus said about the seeds, he talked about the different types of ground. He said the seed was the word of God. Now, when the seed of, when the, seed of the word of God falls upon good ground, then Jesus said that it brings forth fruit. It produces fruit. And he was saying really, I believe, that Christians would be fruitful in varying degrees. Because he says the good ground, some brought 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. Now, we must believe, friends, that it is God's will for us to grow. We don't want to stay as babes in Christ. We want to grow in the Lord. We want to grow in grace. We want to grow in faith. We want to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we grow in knowledge and in faith is by reading the word of God. To set aside time to read the word of God. And not just, you know, pick the, the daily bread up. Now, I'm not saying anything against the daily bread because I use it myself. But I honestly believe that that is not enough. Because there's about three or four verses that you read every day and then you read the comments. You need to get into the Word of God to read the Word. And maybe to, you know, there's, there's lots of these um, programs where you can read through the Bible in a year. I'm not saying you get, you know, you get sort of bogged down with it. I'm not saying you get paranoid about it. Uh, you know, if you, you know, if you find that you, you know, you're behind, oh, I've got to read 20 chapters today to catch up. You know, that's, uh, you know, but reading, but reading the word of God systematically is what I would 
recommend to you. So it's God's will for us to grow and to produce fruit. And if we call ourselves Christians, then the fruit of the Spirit should be evident and visible in our Christian lives. And as we read those nine fruit of the Spirit, then there are nine qualities which go together to make up our Christian character. And it's the natural outcome of the Spirit's indwelling. And to obtain the maximum amount of growth in our lives. And that's what God wants to do. He wants us to grow. He wants us to be mature in the Christian faith. Some translations have um, uh, have put it like this, the harvest, of instead of the fruit of the Spirit, they call it the harvest of the Spirit. And that is pointing to the finished product. It is the end result that matters. So how do we produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Well, first of all, we need to make sure that our relationship is right with God. I've already mentioned about reading the Word and also prayer. Reading of God's Word and spending time in prayer is something really that is fundamental to a Christian. And so the vertical relationship, priority, to make sure that our relationship with God is right. Make sure that we communicate on a regular basis. I know sometimes we can live busy lives and there's a lot to do. And we do in this and we do in that. And it's, it's, it's happened so often that our relationship with God can sort of take a bit of a back seat. And we can be so busy doing other things that we, that we neglect the time that we spend with the Lord. For me, it's first thing in the morning, but I'm a morning person. I'm up and around early. So for me, it's at the beginning of the day before we start doing anything else. For you, it might be in the middle of the day. It might even be at the end of the day. But the one thing is important is, the, it, is that we establish that particular time to spend with God. So we have the vertical relationship and then secondly the horizontal relationship that means our relationship with one another and i i have to emphasize this that our relationship with one another is next in line to the priority of our relationship with god to make sure that we have good relationships with one another friends we need one another we cannot live our Christian lives effectively without one another. The Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian moves in two important directions to produce purity and also power. And both are important. Both are important. We need to keep our, our lives in line with the word of God. And if we don't read and if we don't know what it says, then how can we do that? And so that's important that we keep our lives pure and also the power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we might be able to overcome temptation and so that we might have the victory. You see, we can have the victory over sin through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the closer we are to him, the more, the more chance we have of being able to overcome the attacks of the enemy. The Bible does tell us that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And that's where we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why, that's why the, Apostle, the Apostle Paul said in, in Ephesians, to put on the whole armor of God so that we might be able to resist the devil. And the scripture says that when we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And so the power without purity is worthless. But, the, but nevertheless, the power is still important because, you see, the power of God, is, God has broken the power. He has broken the power of sin in our lives. <coughs> scripture tells us that sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have the victory over you because you are overcomers. In fact, the Bible doesn't just say that we're overcomers, but it says that we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that is really good. I just want to read a few verses to you from the uh, book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. These are words, the words of Jesus from the, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, chapter 7 and verse 16 to 20. This is what Jesus said. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear Good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? By their fruits, you will know them. So why is the fruit of the Spirit so called? Well, I believe simply that it's because the Holy Spirit is its source. It does not grow naturally out of our human flesh. In fact, in that particular chapter that we read from Galatians chapter 5, we find that before Paul talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit, that he talks about the works of the flesh. And that's what he said. He says the works of the flesh are evident. And then he goes on to list what they are. And all those that are listed there, they are they all they belong to the old nature. Now when you talk about the old nature, we never quite get rid of the old nature. Well that's not strictly true. Because one day the Bible says that we shall be changed. When we enter the presence of God, we shall be changed. In the, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. And we shall be given a body like unto his glorious body. So when this mortal puts on immortality, then 
The battle with the old sinful nature will end. But while we're here on earth, it's still there. The old sinful nature is still there. Somebody said it's dead, but it won't lie down. <laughs> now that's true, isn't it? Yeah. It's dead. The old nature is dead, but it won't lie down. And so that is the works of the flesh. But when we're talking about the Spirit as the fruit of the Spirit, it's something that that comes through living our lives close to God and seeking Him and making sure that our lives line up with the Word of God. You see, works suggest something that is in effort. Fruit is something that is effortless. It's effortless to a point of giving the Holy Spirit room to work in your life. Jesus talked about the pruning process when he, he in, in fact, we really need to have a look at John 15, when Jesus mentioned about, uh, about him being the vine. John's Gospel and chapter 15, if you'd like to just have a look at those verses there. And this is what Jesus said. He said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And so the secret, if there is, it's not really a secret, but, you know, if we can just get hold of, what it says, the principle there of abiding in Christ, abiding in Christ. And if we abide in him, we will bear fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And of course, we're also talking about the pruning process as well. Every branch that bear fruit will be pruned so that it might bear more fruit. So sometimes the pruning process, it might be a painful process. You know, we might be, we might be praying and God will point out to us something that we need to give special attention to. There's something in our life that may be hindering the growth and hindering the fruit of the Spirit from developing in our lives. And so that is important to give attention to that. But as we surrender ourselves more to him and we need to allow him to produce in us more fruit. Now, as we come to the list, obviously, um, I, I want you to relax this morning because I'm not going to go through the, the whole of the nine fruit of the spirit. 
I'm only going to touch on one. And that is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And if we can just link those verses that I read in Galatians to the passage which usually gets read at weddings. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It has, it has been called the love chapter. And I'm going to read a few verses from that chapter to you this morning. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So the fruit of the Spirit begins with love. It begins with love. And it is, it is also summed up in love. Because if we really love the Lord, it will determine the way that we live our lives. The emphasis on love fits in with Paul's teaching in this chapter. Because he says right at the end of the chapter that the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. The fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5 is involved in this supernatural love. All the fruit depends on the first. Love suffers long, long-suffering or patience. Love is kind. Kindness. That's one of the gifts. That's, sorry, that's, that's one of the fruit. Love does not envy. Goodness. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Meekness or gentleness, as it is in some translations. Love seeks not its own. Is not easily provoked. Speaks to me of self-control. Love rejoices in the truth. That speaks to me of another of the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy. Love bears all things and hopes all things. It speaks to me of faithfulness. Faithfulness. Stickability. You know, and that's what the Christian life needs sometimes, is stickability. You know, even when things go wrong. Even when we're... You know, we're looking to God to answer our prayers and somehow it hasn't quite happened as we hoped it would. To stick at it. To hang in there and to be steadfast 
in our faith and to be faithful to the Lord because God rewards faithfulness, doesn't he? You know, when we, you know, when we get to heaven, for those who know the Lord and those who, have, who know him as their own personal saviour and have loved him and serve him, one day we shall hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And so faithfulness is very important. If love is lacking, then all things are lacking. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. So whatever else we possess, if we have no love, we are nothing. And another few verses of scripture found in the in the book of Ephesians in chapter 3 and verses 17 to 19. And it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So the first indication of that spiritual growth is the fact that we are growing in love. And we remain immature if we're immature in love. You know, if, you, if you're good with plants, you know, like Annette is, you're good with plants, aren't you, Annette? But the reason, the reason the plants thrive, you see, is because she gives them lots of loving care. TLC, they call it, tender loving care. Now, when we, I, I'm a bit reluctant to, you know, to buy plants for our house now because, yeah, <laughs> because when they, when they, you know, when we bring a plant into our house, it's almost as though it's it's got the kiss of death. <laughs> it's not it's not going to last very long, you see. Because and, and, and we, you know, I, I can't. We, I've lost count of the amount of plants we've had to throw away because they've died. Um, but. Tender, loving care. Tender, loving care. Just like a, a gardener, someone who was a, a real gardener. You, know, you see them there tending the plants, you know, pruning the plants, making sure that they're well fertilized. And all this tender, loving care. Anne's good with plants as well. She's got green fingers, you know, and she, uh, you know, she's got some lovely plants in, in, in their garden as well. But I think if it was left to you, Mark, they might not be there. <laughs> <laughs> tender loving care and so that's important you see there's a great emphasis in the world on getting knowledge and sometimes that's you know that's that that can that can infiltrate the church as well to get knowledge yeah it is important to to know the word of god it's important to get to get knowledge but it doesn't mean to say that knowledge can be a substitute for love. Love is so, so important. A lecturer in a British theolo theological college made, made this statement. He said, know the facts of the faith and that will redeem you. I want to tell you, my friend, there's nothing further from the truth. Only the blood of Christ redeems us. 
Only the blood of Christ can redeem us. Some Christians may be good at giving facts, but not so good at giving love. So what is it that controls? Are we controlled by the love of Christ? Because that's what the Apostle Paul instructs us to do, to be controlled by the love of Christ. In the English language, there's, we only have one word for love. And we use it for a variety of reasons and, a, and in a variety of situations. You know, when you say, I love a cup of tea. Or I love my dog or I love my cat. And we use the same word for I love God. But it's different in the Greek language. There are four different words. Four different words for love. The first one is eros, which is the love between a man and a woman. The second one is philia, which is affectionate human love between friends. The third is storge, which means love in families. But the most powerful word in the Greek language for love is the word agape. Agape. And that love is an unconditional love. And that is used in the Bible several times. Lots of times, especially when he talks about the love of Jesus. Because that love, agape love, surges in the heart of God. And Jesus says, greater love as no man than this, than a man should lay down his life for his friends. In a few moments, we will be gathering around the Lord's table and we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper, whatever you like to call it. But we shall be celebrating the love that Jesus showed when he went to the cross. The love that God had for mankind when he sent his only begotten son to become our substitute, to take the punishment for our sin so that we might be set free and so that we might be reconciled to God and that one day we might live with him forever. That is the love and that is agape love. And that is the love that we are meant to demonstrate in our own lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And it means love that we're expected to experience and demonstrate when we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Not just love in general, but a specific kind of love. The love we see exemplified in Jesus. And friends, we could have no better example than Jesus because he showed love and he showed self-sacrificing love. He gave himself. What more could he have given? And when we give of ourselves to one another, then we are demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. We are demonstrating love. Agape love, which we find here in the scriptures. And so our prayer should be, Lord, make me more like Jesus. Give me that love, that love for you, 
but also that love for others. Love for those who do not know you, Lord. Love for those who are, unless they come to Christ, they're heading for a lost eternity. That God will show us again a sense of urgency for the people who do not know him. So that we might be moved with compassion as Jesus was moved with compassion. And so that we might love one another. Because that's what, that's what he told us to do. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. And this new commandment, it's love one another. But he didn't just say love one another. He didn't stop there. He said, love one another as I have loved you. How has he loved us? As I've already said, with a self-sacrificing love, with an unconditional love. And if we're going to become more like him, then that is the kind of love that we need to practice in our everyday lives. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for the love that you demonstrated when you sent your dear son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. And Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to lay down your life for us. We thank you for the love that brought you down from, from heaven's glory down to this earth to live as a man and to, and to die a cruel death upon a cross. We thank you, Lord, because we know that it was not the nails that held you on that cross, but it was your love for each one of us. And so we pray. May our prayer be this morning that you make us more like yourself. Make us more like Jesus so that we might be concerned and that we might have compassion on those who are on their way to a Christless hell. Lord, may we once again realize the urgency of the situation and that we might reach out to them in love so that they might also hear the wonderful message of the gospel and they might also believe and they might also come into this experience of knowing Jesus Christ as their own personal saviour. Yes. These prayers we ask in his precious name. Amen. 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 Amen.